Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Happy, happy, happy Friday. Just a few more shopping days uh, before you get to uh, vote. Uh, it is the Three Martini Lunch. And, uh, you know, Chad Benson in here today for Greg Corumbus, who apparently is just chilling and relaxing and enjoying his life. So I thought I'd take control for a little while and turn everything over to the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Garrity. And we start, as always, Jim, with our good or bad. Uh, I mean, our good and, you know, the, the, the bad and the crazy. But the good is interesting because it's, well, taking a peek at early voting. And in Nevada, that's very interesting. Yeah, you could argue that this is one of, if not the most important state for both parties this year. Uh, a very important Senate race, as well as a uh, very competitive governor's race. And really three of the four House districts out there look like they're in play. Uh, John Ralston, who writes for the Nevada Independent, and he's he's been covering politics in Nevada for a really long time. I like him and trust him. I think he calls him as he sees him. Doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, but he's been doing this for a very long time. And he looks at the early voting numbers. And it's worth noting, when you look at early voting numbers, you don't know how these people voted. You do know that most registered Republicans are likely to vote for the Republican candidate. And you know that most registered Democrats usually vote for the Democratic candidate. So you have a general sense of how things are going. And what's like I said, Ralston has been watching this cycle after cycle, year after year, so he notices when things are really out of whack with what he's used to seeing. And he said yesterday, after 12 days of early voting in the books in the state of Nevada, he says it's safe to say after, you know, that the Democrats are in trouble in Nevada. Uh, he says that mail ballots are way down in Clark County compared to the year 2020. And the numbers are just not big enough to boost the Clark County firewall after the Republican Party wins the in-person early voting every day. Um, he has more of the numbers there, but I think it, again, you don't know for hundred percent certain, you know, you don't know how the independents are voting, what the breakdown is there, but he's been doing this for a long time. And usually it seems that Democrats will build up a very significant advantage in mail-in ballots. Republicans will do a little better in that in-person early voting. And then the election day, uh, turnout is significantly better for Republicans, um, now, as I'd said in the past, this is a state where Democrats tend to overperform their final polls by a couple percentage points, and sometimes that can be just enough. Um, and so I think if John Ralston is saying Democrats are in trouble, that is a sign that Democrats really are in trouble. The other state yeah. where the data is kind of interesting, and it's you know it seems like it's painting a very clear picture, is the state of Florida. I, I'm not going to pretend that this is a giant shock. We knew. Ron DeSantis was extremely likely to win re-election. We knew Marco Rubio was extremely likely to win re-election. But the margin is going to be interesting. And I think if you're looking at 2024, Ron DeSantis winning re-election by a big margin is a nice little burst of momentum if he decides to run for president. Um, and, you know, this is from ABC News. It says that with less than a week until Election Day, Demo Republicans across the state lead with 216,000 more votes than the Democrats mostly cast in person. Um, now, the you know, it, Michael McDonald, this guy who basically uh, runs the U.S. Elections Project and just collects the data from every state, Secretary of State, day by day, plugs it all in, puts it into spreadsheets. You can see how the early vote compares to past cycles. Michael McDonald, I don't think there's any disputing, is a guy who's not enamored with the Republican Party. But when it comes to the numbers, they are what they are, and he'll call them as he sees them. 
He says Florida, quote, is not looking so good for the Democrats. There are fewer registered Democrats who have voted than registered Republicans. That's really unusual for Florida. Look, I think we know Republicans are going to have a good year in Florida. Maybe they have a landslide kind of year, and that could be, you know, know, obviously, if you're not that worried about the Senate race or the governor's race, there are a couple of competitive House races there. And obviously, Republicans would love to have the biggest uh, majorities they can get in the state legislature, the down ticket races and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And out here as well, uh, I find to be interesting because both party in in Arizona, Hobbs and 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 Lake across the board all the way down have kind of ignored the independents. And a lot of people thought independents were going to be all about Hobbs because, you know, Kerry Lake can be abrasive. Uh, but the reality is it's a one point difference right now is what they're looking at. It's been polling in that direction for a while. I, again, how much do you trust polling? I don't know, but based on the sense of the people I talk to uh, on a daily basis out there, not just listeners and everything, uh, Jim, but, you know, also the professionals, there is that sense uh, that there is uh, a definitely something afoot on the red side of the aisle. And that momentum's there. Even yesterday, Gruesome Newsome, Gavin Newsome came out and said, yeah, of course you can feel it, that, that there are people moving in that direction. How can you not? You know, if if it turns out to be a really huge Republican year, I think one of the more interesting indicators will be a tweet from uh, sports radio talk show host Colin Cowherd, who, by the way, probably has gotten me to yell at my radio more than anybody else on radio. He drives me crazy. I'm not, I, I will I, say I, this, not though. He, gave me, a, he hmm? gave me the best advice ever when my show went national. He said, What's that? nobody cares if you're right or wrong. Everybody cares if you're interesting. Being right and boring, no one will come back. That uh, that might explain how why he is so often interesting and wrong. But anyway, yeah. uh, he made this po- comment, just a, a stray tweet that said, man, if you mess with people's kids, they do not forget and they do not forgive. It's going to be a big, big red wave. Now, look, this is a guy who follows sports most of the time. But I think that's what makes it interesting is that a guy who isn't a race watcher, number cruncher, political guy comes out and says, wow, this is going to be a big Republican year. It's kind of like that old saying, you know, if you're if you're um, if your shoeshine boy is giving you uh, uh, stock tips, it's a sign to get out of the market. You know, when people who don't follow politics say, wow, Democrats are going to get squished this year. Uh, that's a uh, that's kind of an interesting indicator that it's now permeated, not just amongst us political junkies, but amongst the ordinary folks who are like, yeah, this is going to be a lot of people in Republican this year. Yeah. Well, all I know is it's just nonstop and it's enough to make you want to uh, have, have a few pops, if you will, with some of the adult beverages. It is. But obviously, if you're going to do that, you should probably keep an eye on your liver. For anyone who wants to ignite their fat burning metabolism, boost their energy and transform how they look and feel, you've got to start taking care of your liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs more than 400 key functions in your body every day. It's responsible for cleansing and removing thousands of harmful toxins from man-made chemicals to alcohol, dangerous food additives, preservatives. And unfortunately, after decades of wear and tear, our livers start to slow down and become sluggish. That is one of the reasons many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there is a simple all-natural solution. It's called liver health formula. Now, as a listener to our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free, and you'll receive five free gifts if you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain. 
and with four times better absorption thanks to the special nano delivery system. You'll also be getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of your age. And enjoy this opportunity. You need to go to getliverhelp.com forward slash martini, or you can call toll free at 1 800 282 1757. To take advantage of this opportunity, you need to go to getliverhelp.com forward slash martini, or you can call toll free 1 800 282 1757 and claim your risk free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That is getliverhelp.com forward slash martini or call 1-800-282-1757. You're covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so head on over to getliverhelp.com forward slash martini. Once again, that number is toll-free, 1-800-282-1757, to order liver health formula and get those five free bonus gifts while you still can. One last time, that's getliverhelp.com forward slash martini, or the number 1-800-282-1757. It is the Three Martini Lunch. Chad Benson in for Greg Columbus. Jim Carrey is always here. We've just gave you the good, now the bad. Uh, I, I keep saying that uh, Wednesday is, is going to be, to me, lawsuit Wednesday, but uh, we're going to still be waiting. And I don't. I think this time next week, there's going to be plenty of races out there that are going to be potential lawsuits, but they're still going to be counting. And in a time when we've already got so much frustration with voting and and worries, uh, I don't know how good this is going to be for us. Yeah. So first of all, my colleague, Brittany Bernstein, wrote a really good story. It's the kind of story you need to read this time of year that basically looks at the nine states that are probably going to be most important for control of the Senate and kind of walks you through when they're likely to be able to have their results ready based on historical patterns, et cetera. Now, one of the great ironies is you discuss uh, Florida is not on this list. And those of us of a certain age remember the uh, <clears throat> infamous 2000 recount in Florida, the bug-eyed guy who was staring, looking for the hanging chad and all that stuff. Well, because of that experience, Florida made all kinds of reforms and all kinds of changes designed to make the vote count as quick and as smooth and as open and transparent and as indisputable and clear as humanly possible. So that's why, with the exception of Paul Beach County, you usually get almost all the counties in Florida uh, reporting all their results fast. One of the differences that happens in these situations, one of the big differences between these states, is that Florida and other states allow certain vote counters to say, as the votes come in through these early votes, absentee ballots, things like that, can you start counting before the polls close or not? There are a bunch of states that have the rules. You can't count the votes until the polls close. Now, I understand why you do that. You know, the idea, you don't want it leaking. You don't want a rumor going out that based on the count so far, this party's got this much and that guy's got that much. But that means it takes longer to do so on election night, probably often, you know, into 11 a.m., 12 p.m., into the next morning. And that makes it tougher. And when there are long waits, people get frustrated, people get stressed. Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, for example, are two very important states where, offer, where officials are not allowed to begin the vote counting process until Election Day, which means it could take longer in those states. And in fact, there was this really kind of unnerving, well, I don't say unnerving, but like, let's just say sigh-inducing comment from Lee Chapman, the top election official in the state of Pennsylvania, who said that state officials expect results to take a few days. Now, there's got, yeah, that one, you've got Wisconsin. Now, I think Ron Johnson's looking pretty good in that one, but maybe it's going to just going to take more. You may not have the results on election night. 
Oh, by the way, remember in Georgia that if you don't hit 50%, you go to a runoff and, you know, different folks have different opinions. But at this point, I think that's a pretty darn likely scenario that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Walker finishes ahead. Maybe, you know, he could have a very good night. But if you don't have 50%, you're going to a runoff on December 6th. So that race wouldn't be resolved. So you kind of add it up and, you know, you have this nagging feeling it may not have an answer certainly not early in the night and probably maybe not even by 11 o'clock or when people start going to bed on Eastern time. Maybe if you live on the West coast, you're a little bit easier there, but I think there's a good chance that you're going to have um, a couple of States that don't have the full results by like midnight or 1 AM or maybe even 2 AM on election night or, you know, Wednesday morning. And that would probably get, you know, I think it's a circumstance where you end up all kinds of, you know, rumors and speculation and conspiracy theories and claims and, and all that kind of stuff. It's really kind of frustrating. Oh, by the way, um, you know, Nevada is one where it took, uh, you know, four days to count late arriving mailed ballots and things like that. So close yeah. states are very often the states that don't always count them the quickest. And that's the sort of thing that I think will create paranoia and suspicion and God knows what kind of troubles after election day. Well, you know, we already have it out here with our election watchers and it's gone up to, you know, the federal court and it's just been. Uh, and, and here's the other thing that I don't think, Jim, people are talking about. Take away the, you know, did somebody steal? Because you're going to have that weird thing where you're going to see certain parts of the country where there's going to be a drop overnight because of, of you know, they're going to count not the walk-ins first, but the other, you know, the one ballot first, you know, these ones were mailed in and, and there's going to be that kind of thing. But I also, I, and I said it today, I think some of the biggest chaos is going to come from all of the monitors, all the people that think they're in there and they're going to be mm -hmm. fighting with each other over signatures. And that's my fear is that we're going to get a lot of this stuff that is even going to be drawn out further because of chaos of people who think they're doing something just and right. Yeah. You know, folks who haven't done it before don't necessarily know what's normal. Now I'll give you two States where the you know last County to report. Um, there's a traditionally one County reports last. <laughs> My understanding is that in, I think it was Indiana, uh, Gary, Indiana, is that the place that's up in the Northwest corner? Michael Jackson's home. All right. There you go. So Gary, Indiana, um traditionally is the last county to report and that is a democratic stronghold and there are a lot of people who have uh rather suspiciously you know believe that uh they wait until they figure out how many votes they need and then they end up providing them you know decide oh look we have just enough votes I, you know not necessarily indictments on this but that is a historical pattern now in my home state of virginia Fairfax County is always the last county to report. And we said, ah, well, that's where all the Democrats live. Well, actually, compared to other counties and other parts of the state, there are more Democratic parts. You know, the Republican can win Fairfax County in like near ideal circumstances. It's really more of a 60-40 county. It's not, it's not great. I'm not going to say that, you know, uh, Republicans have a great shot here, particularly in the Trump era and since then. But um, it's not the most Democratic area. But the simplest answer is that it's got the most population. There are a million people who live in my county. So it takes longer to count the vote. And a lot of these other counties where you have much, you know, sparser populations, it, it takes less time to count a couple thousand votes or 10,000 votes or even a hundred thousand votes in a county than it does to count, you know, we don't have a million voters here, but we have hundreds of thousands of votes and that takes longer. So I'm not surprised. And that's, you know, so when a Republican's doing well, you need that lead that you've built up in the rest of the state whole lot of voters here, like I said, probably a 60-40 split, maybe even worse some years, a little bit better other years. 
Um, you know, but the Democrats are going to have a whole bunch of votes coming in from Fairfax County and a Republican needs to be ahead. That's not vote fraud. That's not shenanigans. That's not something sinister. That's just, you know, big urban areas have a lot of voters. They also have a lot of Democrats and traditionally it takes the longest to count. And that's why it takes the, their results come in last. So there is part of this, you know, historical pattern where, um, Republicans see an early lead on election night and say, yeah, we're doing great. And what it is, is that the Republican leaning parts of the state or district have reported and the other parts have to check in. They bring in their results and Democrats jump ahead. Doesn't always mean shenanigans. But then again, that doesn't always mean that everything is 100 percent on the up and up either. No, no. And it's going to be like I said, I I don't think some of these things are going to play out in courts. And I just feel the frustration for a lot of people. And would I be surprised if in December we're still talking about some races that aren't runoffs? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised about that. We gave you uh, the three martinis, the good, the bad. Now let's give you the crazy. Biden, is this the new, uh, oh, we didn't lose that bad kind of thing. You know, we played well. You know, they just outplayed us tonight. Uh, you know, they beat you by 90 uh, kind of thing. <laughs> I feel like this is the new, uh, you know, we weren't that bad. Yeah, and you've heard people saying, oh, you know, these these midterms are going to go bad. Biden turns 80 this month. Is he even going to run for another term? Is he going to be seen as a failure of a president, et cetera? Um, and I think we have a little bit of an answer. Uh, this was in the Washington Post earlier today that Biden supporters, and I say uh, um, Biden allies, that's how they characterized it, quote, are preparing to spin even to defeat as a win for the president since President Barack Obama lost 63 seats in 2010 and President Donald Trump lost 40 seats in 2018 and Biden is not expected to lose as many. Well, that is technically correct in the sense that, you know, Barack Obama in 2008 was elected in this giant wave. Uh, when Trump won the presidency in 2016, he brought a lot of House Republicans with him. Biden didn't. In fact, Republicans gained 14 seats the year Biden was elected, you know, 2020. So for Republicans who are looking to win House races, they're starting at 212. They don't have that many. There's no low, there's not that much low-hanging fruit left to pick. They have to compete on tougher areas. Now, they're saying if, you know, most people have said, yeah, Republicans are going to definitely win the 12, the, the, uh, the, the six they need. Minimum, you're probably thinking, you know, worst case scenario, you're looking at 10, 15. More likely you're at 20. 25 is very thinkable. And then you get north to 30 and 40, et cetera. That definitely is within the range of opportunities. But it's just, it's harder to win 40 seats when you're starting at 212. There's just less competitive districts to, to fight in. Um, so I don't really think this is a particularly persuasive argument. I don't think it's very convincing. I think the bad scenario, the, the scenario that is bad for Republicans that they're envisioning, it's probably, it's right in the ballpark of what the Republican majorities we saw from 2002 to 2006. And nobody talked about, oh, my goodness, the Republicans barely had. No, you know, it's, that was a pretty you know, normal, solid House majority. Um, but I think that's kind of the floor for the scenario here. I think Republicans will be better than that. But I just think the idea of any attempt to spin these midterms as, well, Biden really won is just, it's lame. It's unpersuasive. It's it's kind of dumb. But I guess I should just be getting used to that from this administration. Uh, it's just again you got well you know what you and i both know this you got to spin where you think you can spin and sometimes you got to say the outrageous because you, you got no choice but uh you know i'd say a month ago i think a lot of people thought well they're going to win the house the republicans really don't have a chance at the senate i think a lot of people now are going all right they're probably going to win the senate maybe 52 seats wow that'd be crazy and it went from being eight to ten to maybe 25 
that's some momentum turnaround and uh, you're doing everything you can to try to spin it. But everybody needs, sometimes you need to stand up and go, man, we got our butts kicked. Yeah. yeah, It's the only way you really get any, uh, the only way you really get fixed from it. But uh, hey, we'll see. We'll see. Indeed. Well, we gave you the good, the bad, the crazy. Three Martini Lunch. I'm Chad Benson in for uh, Greg. He'll be back on Monday. You can follow uh, me at, at Chad Benson Show. And uh, Jim, when they want to get all your amazing writing, where are they at? NationalReview.com. And on Twitter, I am at Jim Garrity. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. God rest Rush. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Well, it turns out that the FBI has a backdoor access, a website they can log into and flag your post to be taken down, flag your account to be limited in reach. But wait a minute. What about Pelosi? Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.